Nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring today. Robert Half is here to help. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This is Money Beat from the Wall Street Journal. Now from our studios in New York, here are Paul Vigna and Stephen Grosser. Hello, everybody. So listen, Thursday, today, we'll tell you right off the bat is Wednesday. Thursday is going to be quite a day in the markets. There is so much going on. You have uh, the ECB meeting in the morning in New York, you know, uh, it'll be early in New York's morning. You have the congressional testimony of former FBI Director James Comey going on. You have an election in the UK. Results will be streaming in for that. Ton for investors to die digest. Right, Stephen Grosser? Yes. Uh, I agree with that assessment. Yeah. That's why some you're seeing a Super Thursday. Super, people are really calling Thursday. it. Yeah. yeah. A lot of strategist notes. Yeah. It's, to it it is way. going to be a crazy day. Now, you've probably heard a ton about what James Comey may or may not say. You've probably read a lot about the markets. The one that I think might get kind of buried and lost in this, which should not, is the ECB meeting. And to help break down... The ECB meeting that will be happening tomorrow, two of our journal reporters, John Sindro in London and Wall Street Journal pro reporter Todd Buell in Frankfurt. And uh, later on, if we're lucky, this will turn into a Frankfurt versus London, which is the better city to live in, Smackdown podcast with Todd and John. But for now, let's just talk about the ECB. Hi, guys. Hello. Hi, guys. Hi. Uh, who, who should start here? I mean, I think. We, I mean, I, I kick it off to to you, Todd. You, you know, in our in our discussion before this podcast, you talked about this being, you know, a pretty important uh, meeting for the ECB. Can you sort of break down why you view it that way? Yeah, this is one of the more exciting meetings that we've had uh, from the, from the ECB in a while, and it's going to start right at. 145 uh, Europe time, so that's 745 in New York. That's when the central bank makes its policy announcement. Now, they, they don't just announce interest rates, and, and nobody expects a change in interest rates, but what we're going to be listening for is what the ECB says about the future path of rates. Will the ECB get rid of a reference to lower rates, that they expect you know, interest rates to be at present or lower levels for an extended period of time. Some economists think that conditions have gotten strong enough that the ECB can drop that reference, but inflation fell in May. Underlying inflation is also quite low. There's also a point of view that says, nope, they're going to keep the reference to lower rates because, frankly, the ECB targets only inflation. They don't have the double mandate like the Fed. And so conditions might not yet be ready to signal even mildly a tightening of policy. What do you think the path forward? I know this came up at the past ECB meeting, uh, ECB meeting uh, for unwinding, you know, their sort of monetary policies, the QE um, and, you know, uh, the interest rate policies. Are they going to move on QE first or, as some have discussed, move on uh, rates? The expectation is that they will unwind QE. That, that that's part of the statement that they will um, that they'll do that first. That you know the statement is they will uh, keep rates at current or lower levels for an extended period of time and well past the horizon of asset purchases. So that is generally interpreted to mean that uh, 
QE purchases would drop down to zero, and then at some point after, they would start to normalize policy, start to raise interest rates. Uh, and depending upon who you talk to, the timeline of how that goes, especially you know, given from today's perspective, varies. You know, some people say, well, they'll begin the tapering, you know, immediately in 2018 at groups of you know 10 billion but others say no it'll be it'll be slower that of course then stretches out when you, the first rate rise would be and it might you know might be near the end of 2018 might be in early 2019 where you know we're obviously not quite sure i guess uh, actually I mean, just to take a step back for you know the listeners in uh, over in the united states who might not be paying as close attention to the monetary policies um, in europe where do rates stand in europe and what's uh, and can we talk a little bit about just what qe uh, how much money they're sort of pumping into the system every month the main interest rate that you know it's the one that they charge at their regular monetary policy operations that sits at 0% and then the one that's actually at this point considered more important for monetary policy, the, the, deposit, the overnight deposit rate, that's at negative 0.4%. This uh, means that banks pay to park money at the ECB overnight. They're very, some banks are very irritated about this and complain about how it, um, how it impacts their profits. The ECB for now uh, doesn't seem to be so concerned about this, but there is a uh, some thought that they may get more concerned about it as as time goes on, and the, and they're also buying uh, what sixty billion in, in uh, euro of bonds right now as well, right? Government bonds. It's yeah. a program that started in January of no, in uh, March of early 2015, and is due to go until the end of this year, at at least. And then, as I was saying earlier, most experts expect a tapering to then start to begin in early 2018. Hey, let's uh, let's bring John in on this. Um, John, you were kind of looking at this, I think, also from the from the markets perspective. Uh, the markets seem relatively happy with with what they think is going to happen right now, at least, aren't they? Yeah, uh, I mean, the whole thing is, is pretty hilarious because uh, they've been sort of marking this date on the calendar like like for for a very long time actually uh, you were referring to it i think as super thursday I, i've even heard the uh triple threat thursday triple <laughs> d p thing mentioned triple by some d. analysts sounds like a, an action movie <laughs> yeah there's yeah. an escalation in 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 terms and funny jargon and things right uh, but they've sort of been looking at this for a long time because they were thinking that you know if there's any shift in sort of the ecb's stance it will be communicated um, this Thursday, and it's like they they don't expect much. Like that, that's a hilarious thing. Like they don't expect much to happen. They they were basically looking at some statements being changed. Uh, essentially, one one phrase which these statements always contain, which is that risks to the eurozone growth are tilted to the downside. They expect this to be removed. And and <laughs> as, as funny as it seems, this little thing is for markets a big deal because it it sort of signals that we are changing sort of. The, the direction of travel and monetary policy. And, and from now on, it's going to be tapering the purchases and that rates will start rising at, at some point in the future, which um, at this point seems to be saying a lot. And what happened today is that we saw some media reports that um, the inflation forecasts 
for two years ahead that the ECB produces might be actually revised a bit downwards, which is, again, a very small little thing. But uh, markets also believe that to mean that maybe the change in language won't be very strong because it, it, it means that inflation, uh, which has disappointed to the downside in the last um, official release, might not pick up as much as people were thinking. And therefore, that means that central bank stimulus is here to stay for even longer than we thought. All right. Let's take a quick break. Uh, we have an important message for you. We will come back with more on the other side of it, talking about the ECB and, and Super Thursday, Triple D, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Stephen Paul here in New York, Todd in Frankfurt, John in London. This episode is brought to you by Vanta. Managing the requirements for modern security programs is increasingly challenging. Vanta's trust management platform helps you quickly assess risk, streamline security reviews, and automate compliance for SOC 2, ISO 27001, and more. Plus, save time by completing security questionnaires with Vanta AI. Learn how by watching Vanta's on-demand demo at vanta.com WSJ. That's V-A-N-T-A dot WSJ. Make sure to check out the Future of Everything podcast because the future is closer than you think. All new episodes each Friday in June. The Wall Street Journal. Listen ambitiously. Welcome back to Money Beat. We're talking about the ECB central bank policies. Big meeting on Thursday. We have Todd Buell from Frankfurt reporting and John Sindrow from in London. And uh, Steve Gross, you wanted to... You want well, to jump in? I guess one of the questions, and we focused a lot on this here in the United States because we're looking at fund flows, and a lot of U.S. investors are putting money back into the European uh, stocks and pulling them out of the U.S. under the idea that valuations are really high in the U.S., they're lower in Europe, and the economy showing, uh, you know, signs of you know strength in Europe or growing, I should say. I, I wanted to get your perspective, Todd, on you know the health of the European economy, especially given you know the the ECB meeting tomorrow. Things seem to be doing pretty well here, at least for now. I mean, the growth pace, I believe, in the first quarter was stronger than the United States, uh, and that's the sort of thing that definitely gets people's attention over here. And uh, unemployment has fallen, uh, you know, steadily, fairly recently. I mean, it's still at 9.3%, uh, if I'm not mistaken, you know, which is, you know, still by, I think, U.S. standards fairly high. But, I mean, if you, you know, consider that it's moving in the right direction here in Europe, that's something that uh, people are pretty happy about. Also, of course, at least uh, for the time being, the political risk that people were worried about seems to be off the table, uh, the you know populist candidate did not win in France, and the you know Angela Merkel seems to be you know doing well in survey results uh, for the September elections here in Germany. So you know things do seem to be pointing in the right direction in terms of growth. It's you know just a question though of how sustainable and durable that is and that and from the point of view of the ECB whether that translates into higher prices and right. I think that's still very much an open question. Yeah, how much did that May inflation data sort of worry the ECB? Well, I mean it's that's I mean hard to know yeah, for sure. Exactly. I mean, no. we, we may know we probably will know more about that tomorrow. Tomorrow uh, as as John was mentioning uh, tomorrow we'll see the um what will 
see the forecasts for uh, for for this year, the year after, in 2019. Now, I think the the cutoff date for those information feeding into that was you know well before the May inflation data, but still, you know, Draghi could be asked about that and prompted about that, and you know, it, it would be interesting to see what he says about you know where he sees inflationary pressure moving uh, in in the eurozone. I mean, it, certainly, it suggests that. Uh, that inflationary pressure and, and underlying core inflationary pressure remains uh, subdued, as, as they like to say. Uh, yeah, John, what do you think? Markets, we, we're sort of in a, in a very interesting moment because um, I think part of so, – so what we're seeing now in markets, which is a, a sort of a very strange moment in which gold is rallying. Um, at the same time, bond yields are going down again. But the stock market seems more or less fine. It, it, it basically is a loss of faith in, in inflation going up. And it, it's a very intellectually interesting in the sense that we are at a point in which I believe investors are questioning a lot of the notions that we had about inflation and, I don't know, the idea that it comes from printing money or it comes from interest rates or any of that. And we're sort of starting to look more at the underlying dynamics of this stuff, as in, do companies have pricing power? What is the bargaining power of uh, unions, uh, what is the sort of uh, international, how global is, 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 the, is the labor market so you can actually go and hire somebody else, uh, do commodity prices move most of the inflation data that we normally look, look at and then when oil prices, as it has happened now, sort of ease back down again, you know, all the idea that inflation is going up goes away. And, and we're sort of looking at a more complex world and sort of predicting how inflation, growth, and the labor market are related, I, I, I think is, is now seen as more difficult and, and will be as we go forward. No, on, on one of those data points here in the U.S., you looked at the ISM service sector. Um, the survey, one of the interesting parts of the survey was the part about pricing power, you know, and companies just do not have, you know, uh, the ability to raise prices without that hurting sales. Yeah, I, you know, I... I've I think that is what is still – I think, John, you're, you're absolutely right about that. That is still confounding a lot of people is that these central banks, the ECB, the Fed, the Bank of Japan, the Bank of England, uh, probably you know, all the other – whatever central bank you want to throw in there too. I mean they flooded the system with liquidity, with new money, with, with, with credit and – it, it should have led to an inflationary spiral. I mean, it, it's anything from past history would have told you that, and it absolutely didn't happen, and it still is not showing up. I mean, inflation yeah. here is all, it's not quite as low as the numbers in Europe, but I mean, it's you know a couple of ticks higher. It is yeah. not far off. My, my, my view would be uh, when you look at the sort of historical perspective, without denying that sometimes, especially when you raise interest rates, you sort of can choke off a lot of activity and, and, and demand. Um, I, I personally think that there's a lot of reverse causality in looking at the relationship between mm. money and interest rates and, and inflation that I think through many decades has confused people. The reality is that you always think about stimulus from a central bank or more money in the economy sort of pushing prices up, but the causality is very often reversed. Um, if you have any element in the economy that makes prices go up, um, uh, could be anything, could be, you know, uh, OPEC doing something or, or sort of people unionizing, whatever it is, um, then if you want to keep interest rates where they are, you will see that the central bank normally has to print more money. 
and you will see that you know as prices go up um, in order to keep what we call the real interest rate at the same level like nominal interest rates have to go up so there is a dynamic here that maybe has confounded us historically and it turns out that reality is is a bit more complex than this sort of simple idea that a central bank has a target and you sort of move an interest rate around which actually only affects the money market as well because then it doesn't translate completely into long-term yields and this will somehow make the whole economy and the whole pricing system move following your the tune that you're trying to play here right right and you know, I, I think it's interesting you, you look at it now you can almost see it as you think of the, the central bank policy in the crisis in the post-crisis era it's almost like these are a series of ocean liners that you know left their left their slips in the middle of a storm are now out in the ocean and they have you know thousands of miles to go before they get to the other shore. They don't even really know where they're going, and they're trying to slightly calibrate where they're going. The storm is past them. They know there's an end point, but they don't exactly know where it is. I know. I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying, Grocer. I'm trying to do something here. But but at the same time, <laughs> we've seen that central banks have a lot of control over markets and what they do, and and the government's borrowing costs. Mm-hmm. So so the, there is a lot that central banks have proven they can do when it comes to finance and financial conditions and and you know keeping the bond market under control uh you know as, uh, there's that that old idea that if I want to be reborn I'll be the bond market but probably you shouldn't yeah. because you know um well Janet Yellen will basically dictate your life so uh, and, and and they've also been very apt at preventing liquidity crises and and we've seen that they manage Brexit phenomenally well. So there's a lot of things central banks have done really well. And, uh, but just controlling inflation maybe has never been their forte. Or jump getting economic growth to pick up substantially. Right. Which... And over here, of course, they're famous for doing whatever it takes. Yeah. Yeah. Mario <laughs> Right. Um, one question, you know, I guess one final question would be, obviously, the ECB's policies haven't been great for uh, for banks. How are, how do you think bank stocks are going to you know react to this um, whatever statement comes out tomorrow? Well, in theory, it should be um, it should be negative for um, bank stocks if we see the ECB being more more dovish than we expected, mm-hmm. because of this whole idea that. Um, that the, the sort of the higher the yield curve is, the steeper it is, the more the difference they can make between short-term borrowing costs and, and long-term lending rates. Uh, even though I, I've, I've always been a bit skeptical of that, the, the, the data doesn't quite show that is true. Um, even though I'm, I'm sure the short market, uh, the short-term market reaction would be this, but but the, there's a lot of sort of a bit of a circular argument here as well because banks themselves make. The, the, the yield curve as steep yeah. as, as it is. So, so because they, they are the ones dealing in bonds and trading in the market. So they themselves set these prices. So it, it's a bit of self-referential to say, well, uh, sort of a steeper uh, yield curve makes their profit margins a bit fatter because they themselves are making that yield curve steep. So if their profit margins are low, maybe it's because they're being outcompeted or, or because they have uh, other issues. Hmm. Uh, Todd, did you want to throw in something else there before we go? I would just say that even if the meeting of the ECB is maybe not as exciting in the sense of policy changes, they're probably going to get more exciting as we get closer right. to the end of the year because the ECB is going to have to make you know be clearer about how are we going to unwind QE and what pace and, and if conditions change or improve a little bit or if the 
complaints from the banking sector get you know, more intense. You may see more calls for the ECB to raise the deposit rate a bit early. Uh, and, and if they were to do that, then that has to be communicated. I mean, the ECB has made it clear, ECB policymakers have made it clear, they don't want there to be a repeat of the taper tantrum for, in Europe. Mm-hmm. So the expectation is the policy unwinding is going to be gradual and cautious. All right, John Sindro, Todd Buell, thank you very much, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you. Everyone, thanks for listening, and we will talk to you again very soon. Make sure to check out the Future of Everything podcast, because the future is closer than you think. All new episodes each Friday in June. The Wall Street Journal. Listen ambitiously. This episode is brought to you by Vanta. Vanta's trust management platform helps you quickly assess risk, streamline security reviews, and automate compliance for SOC 2, ISO 27001, and more. Learn how by watching Vanta's on-demand demo at vanta.com slash WSJ.